1: Grace and peace to you, and welcome to Reaching for Real Life Radio with Sean Azaro, the senior pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas, a church that exists to help people just like you find the real life you were created for and find it to the full. And that's what Jesus promised in John 10.10. And today we'll hear the last message in the series called The Faith that's based on the book of Titus, a letter to Titus from the Apostle Paul. Pastor Sean is in Chapter 3 with a call to action, and it's more than just volunteering at the church. Think bigger advancing God's kingdom type stuff. Let's impact our city and the culture together. Reallife.org has this full message, sermon notes, and series available for free. And if you feel led to bless this listener-supported radio ministry, then please do. There's a place to give at reallife.org. Today's part two of the message called Productive Lives. Pastor Sean is in Titus chapter three and put a marker in Matthew 25. It's time for Reaching for Real Life Radio.
2: Now he who'd receive five, he went at once and he traded with them. He did business and he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. So they both get to work and they both multiplied their resources by engaging them. But he who'd received the one talent went and he dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came back and settled accounts with them. See, this is really the whole point. This is the answer to their question. One day we are going to settle accounts with the Lord. He's going to come, and we are going to stand before him. And the simple question is is going to be asked, what did you do with what I gave you? How did you handle what I gave you? Because he's given, the scripture makes it clear, he's given every one of us something. I'm not responsible for what he gave you. You're not responsible for what he gave me. But what he gave me, he's going to ask me, how'd you do? How'd you do with what I gave you? This idea of settling accounts. And he who'd received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here, I've made five talents more. Look at his response. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I'll set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Now, you see a master who loves to commend his servants. He is generous with his servants. And he is joyful. Enter into your master's joy. I want you to see a character sketch of this master develop. And you'll see why that's important in a moment. Well done. You've been faithful over little. I'll set you over much. Enter in the joy of your master. Well, he also had the two talents came forward saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here, I've made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over little. I'll set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master commendation, generosity, and joy. That's who this master is. And what's fascinating is the servant who had two, it's not like the master looked at him, well, you're all right. I mean, you know, this guy made five. You know, why couldn't you be more like him? What he did is really important. What you did, not so much. What Jesus is saying is, yeah, it's so easy for us to bench ourselves. Well, I don't have as much. I could never do what they did. I could never produce. They've got so much. I, I, I just, I, I can't. He says, yeah, no, what, what you see is he has equal joy over that one who'd been given two, two talents worth of gifts, opportunities, and who'd multiplied them. And both of these guys are given the exact same commendation, the same generosity, the same joy of celebration. And so I want you to know that's the heart of the master. Now, where it really gets interesting is this third servant. He also who'd received the one talent came forward saying, master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow, gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid. I went and hid your towel in the ground. Here, you have what is yours. You can literally see it still covered with dirt. Here, here's what's yours. What's interesting about that is the way he depicted the master. You're a hard man, reaping where you didn't sow, gathering where you scattered no seed. I was afraid. Well, that's not the master that's been presented at all. It's a totally different picture of the master. And, and look, his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I reap where I had not sown and gather where I scattered no seed. Note the question mark. The master's not saying that's who I was. The master's just quoting the guy back. He's, it's almost like that should be saying, If you knew that, if you thought that, because the biggest thing that we see in this story is this servant didn't even know his master, he didn't have a clue. He has this whole false character thing about the one he serves, and he uses that as an excuse. To disqualify himself, well, you were like this, this, and this, which is not at all how he was like. So you knew I reap scatter, and I gather where I scattered no seed. Well, then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming, I should have received what was my own with interest. You could—you implied here—is I would have at least received my money with interest. Anybody could have done that, but you didn't do anything. Based on this false assumption of who I am, based on this false relationship, you quit. So take the talent from him, give it to the one who has ten talents. For to everyone who has more will be given, he who will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. You see, that is a story about our role as servants. And here's the good news of this story. Is you serve a master who absolutely loves to commend his servants. He loves to generously reward his servants. And he loves to share his joy. That's the kingdom that we're a part of. That's the Lord we serve. That's who he is. And he has given each of us talents, opportunities, gifts. But he says, I want you to understand you're responsible to do something. I gave you a life, I gave you relationships, I gave you talents, gifts, abilities, and opportunities. What are you doing with them? We are servants. And one day we will give an account. See, servants understand that I'm stewarding something that belongs to another. And what's interesting here is, is fundamental to this. Servants serve the master's interest. Servants serve the master's interest. And I wonder how often in our consumer society we have been trained, sometimes subtly, sometimes overtly, to treat God as though he's there to serve my interests. As though my whole relationship with God is about, God, help me get this great job. God, help me get a home in the place I want. God, help my kids to get into this school. God, help me do this. God, I, I, I don't have enough to consume. God, help me get more. And don't, don't think I'm saying we shouldn't ask God to meet our needs, ask God's help, ask God for healing. I, I'm not saying that at all. What I'm saying is if we're not careful, we can subtly shift the way we think about things and think, wait a minute, he's here to serve me. God's here to make sure I have a wonderful life, my best life now. He's here just to make sure I'm, I'm, I'm living the, the good life. And that's what it's all about. When instead, it's like, no, no, I'm supposed to serve His interest. That's where my life really gets good. It really gets interesting. It really becomes something powerful and eternal. That's where I really make a difference when I get in on this whole thing of being a servant of the king. It's what I was created for, and it's where I will be most productive and where I'll find most fulfillment. You see, we are servants of the Lord and should see ourselves that way. We're all servants. We're all called. There are no volunteers when it comes to the mission of the kingdom. How do you see yourselves? How do I see myself? I here to serve God or is God here to serve me? Second thing, understanding that these first century believers would, would communicate to us and would say it's so critical. They believed it. We need to believe it. The mission of the church is the hope of the world and it's worth giving our lives to this is a big one. See, this is where I think that survey is kind of telling. The mission of the church is the hope of the world and worth giving our lives to. Let me ask you something. Do you believe that? The mission of the church is the hope of the world. And it's so important. It's worth giving my life to. See, I think, I think a lot of Christians aren't sure they believe that. Is the church really necessary? Can't I just, me and God? And and when I say the mission of the church, I want you to understand, I'm not talking about simply sustaining the church and the ministries of the church, okay? Don't think about the organization. I'm talking about the church. You know, ecclesia, we are the church. The mission of the church is the gospel. That's what the mission of the church is. This amazing plan of redemption that God has for all people. He loves people. He created them for purpose. He created them for life. And we get to be the ones who experience that life and then share that good news with the world around us. That's what I'm talking about when I talk about the mission of the church. That's the power of our mission and of the gospel. That, when I say the mission of the church is the hope of the world and it's worth giving our life to, that's what I mean. See, here's what I think we sometimes miss. In this day and age where we've really worked hard to make the message of the gospel friendlier and focus on the love of God and not the wrath of God, we've missed a really important point. And here's the point. People are lost and are going to hell without the salvation that comes through Jesus Christ. Do you believe that or not? People are lost and are going to hell without the salvation that comes through Jesus Christ. And, and see, I think sometimes we are not sure we really believe that. Paul wrote in 1 Thessalonians 1.9, he said, They will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. What's fascinating is this word eternal is the same word in the Greek that's used in John 3.16, where it said, God so loved the world, he gave his only God and son, that whosoever believe in him shall not perish, but have everlasting or eternal life. It's the same word. And, and some people think, well, come on, God wouldn't, it wouldn't be eternal destruction, away from the presence of the Lord, from the glory of his might, away from everything that is good, everything that is light, everything that is beautiful. Everything that's beautiful in this world, everything that is light comes from his hand, comes from his presence. And the minute you are separated completely from that, there is a darkness that really defies description. And all I know is the scripture says it's eternal. Something like, well, God, God will let everybody out one day and kind of go, okay, guys, you know, you've learned your lesson, come on. And I mean, there are people who theologically try to draw that from the scriptures. I'm just saying, Bible doesn't actually say that. I told you a few weeks ago, Jesus was pretty serious about hell, wasn't he? I mean, he he talked about it seriously. He didn't back away from that idea. You remember, I I talked about a a young woman in pop culture who may say, so what, I have sex, Jesus still loves me. And the point we made was, yes, Jesus loves every person who's ever lived on the face of the planet, including every person in hell. He does love us. But Jesus didn't back away from this idea. Jesus said crazy stuff. He said, if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off, because it's better to go into heaven, missing a hand, than to go into hell with your whole body intact. Same thing with your eye. Jesus wasn't playing. And we got to decide if we believe this, because here's the thing. This is why I think we don't really understand the urgency of our mission. We don't understand that those people that we work with, that we care about, those people in our families, those people in our neighborhood that we, we love, but we know, man, they are far from God. Man, there is this separation. We don't understand what's at stake. And if we did, it would change our level of urgency and our level of engagement of what we're doing in the context of the Christian church and beyond. Don't think of the church, the ministry of the church, as sustaining the ministries here. Don't think of the gospel because that's what we're about. More people living real life passionately following Jesus that's what we do because in that God creates life he creates his kingdom he creates beauty in the lives of people and we want that for every single person on the planet that's what the mission is about
1: we want to take a quick minute to remind you you're listening to reaching for real life radio with pastor Sean Azaro a listener supported ministry of river city community church in this message called productive lives it's in the series the faith based on the book of Titus which is available right now at reallife.org And while you're there, if you've been blessed by this teaching, your financial gift helps this radio ministry continue to help others. Just find the Give tab at reallife.org. And if you're looking for a new church home, here's your invitation from Pastor Sean.
2: River City Community Church is a church for real life. Real life is what we were created for and what we're all about. In fact, our mission is more people living real life by passionately following Jesus. Hi, I'm Pastor Sean Azaro, and we believe we were made to have a life full of meaning and purpose that can only be found in relationship with our Creator. That's what real life is. It's not just a church thing. It's a way of living that powerfully impacts every area of our lives. River City is come as you are and has a relaxed, casual feel with practical teaching, inspirational worship, and age-appropriate ministry for the whole family. We're located a mile and a half outside of Loop 1604 on Lookout Road across from Ratama Park. Our service times are Sundays at 9.30 and 11.15 and Mondays at 7 p.m. River City is a church for real life, and so our home on the web is reallife.org. We hope you'll come and see us as you travel the road to real life.
1: And now the conclusion of the message, Productive Lives. This is Reaching for Real Life Radio.
2: Our mission is a matter of life and death. No matter what anyone says, we must never forget the urgency of what we are called to do. I remember a pastor said, (laughs) I was talking with a military leader, a high-ranking military leader, a general, who made the statement that there's this heavy burden on him because decisions he makes, he put, you know, it's about people's lives. And the pastor made the statement. He said, I wish it was only about temporal, physical life, the weight of the decisions that I have to make in regards to what we do as a church. Some people are like, oh, that's shocking. I mean, how can he say that? Because he understood the mission. He understood what's really at stake. He believed what the Word of God says. And I think sometimes we're so, oh, you know, God wouldn't really do what his word says, would he? Be careful about trying to outthink God and his word. That's where this urgency, this fire comes from. Anytime you think God's not serious about sin, just watch the passion of the Christ, which is, at least to my understanding, is the best artistic depiction of the crucifixion that we have access to. If you can't go in a time machine and be at the cross, that's the next best thing. Just go watch that and tell me God's not serious about sin. The son whom he says, in, who I am well pleased, and this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased, God allowed him to go through what he went to so that we could be set free. That's how serious God is. So when we start saying, oh, we don't need to take it that seriously, just realize how out of sync we are with our creator, how out of sync we are with Jesus and those first century believers. It's a matter of life and death. And it's been given to us. See, there are no volunteers when it comes to the mission of the kingdom. The last thing these believers understood and would share with us is our call is to see lost people made into growing, reproducing disciples. Our call is to see lost people made into growing, reproducing disciples. Matthew 28, 19, we called the Great Commission. Go and make disciples, Jesus said. And the idea is as you're going. It's not like you have to leave and go, okay, I better become a missionary, I have to whatever. No, he's saying, for everybody, as we go through life, help people know the love of God. Help them come to discover Jesus Christ and his gift of life. Help them begin to understand and walk in God's love. You want to know what a definition of a disciple is? Here's a definition. A person who puts their trust in Jesus, follows in his footsteps by the power of the Spirit, and helps others do the same. That's a disciple. A person who puts their trust in Jesus because of his work on the cross, their sins are forgiven. They trust him for salvation. They follow Jesus by the power of his spirit, which is now resident in them. And then they help others to do the same. They multiply, they share this gift. Everything we do around River City, it's designed to that end. You got got, any of you guys in a small group that you like, a community group? You like your group? Yeah, see, mm, people love groups. Understand, groups exist to make disciples. We believe in, in spirit-led relational discipleship. And that's what we're doing. You're like, no, we're just having a group where we just pray together and help each other follow Jesus. Yep, that's it. It's not rocket science. You don't need a technical manual. You just do what the Word says. We get together with people, we love on each other, and we encourage each other to follow Jesus. That's it. The Groups exist for that. You understand that? You like worshiping? You like the worship band and the worship ministry? Isn't that awesome? You understand what we do? We do that to help make disciples. Kids ministry, make disciples. This teaching ministry, make disciples. Everything we do, our school, River City Believers Academy, making disciples. It's all the same thing. We want to help people experience the life that God created them for. He created us for something amazing. And most people in the world are missing it. And if they die separated from him, the scripture says they will spend eternity in darkness and separation. And I don't want that. Imagine us having the vision to make San Antonio, with other churches in this city, make San Antonio a place where it's hard to go to hell if you live in San Antonio. How cool would that be? Wouldn't that be great? Because there's just so many people sharing and living the love of Jesus relationally with one another. See, if our mission is to make disciples, the question is, how are we doing? How are we doing at seeing people become these passionate followers of Jesus? More people living real life by passionately following Jesus. That's disciples. How are we doing? And maybe more specifically, and I put myself in this same question, how are you doing? I ask myself, how am I doing personally at being involved? I have people in my life who I care about, who are far from God. How am I doing at engaging and loving them? Just spending time to help listen to them and have the opportunity to share this amazing life that has changed my family, changed my future, changed all of it. How am I doing? at making disciples. How are you doing? You've got people. You have opportunities, places, people that I'll never have as far as being able to reach them, but you, you can How are you doing? See, there are no volunteers when it comes to the mission of the kingdom. Do you see yourself as a servant who is called to the most important mission on the face of the planet, one worth giving your life to? And saying, okay, God, I'm in. I want to challenge you a couple ways to do this. First thing, say yes to the call. That's it. Say yes to the call. Say, okay, God, you I get it. I'm not a volunteer. I'm a servant. I say yes to this call. Second thing I'm going to ask you to do is pray. God, I pray that you would work in my spirit, help me to see what you want to do. Lord, I pray, maybe there's some people in your life specifically you already know. Man, I'd love to see them. You know, man, they're far from God. They need his presence. They need what Jesus has and start praying. And the third thing is open your eyes. Open your eyes, because it's amazing. When you start praying, all of a sudden you're going to start seeing things that you didn't see before. Open your eyes, and and if you don't already have some faces and names in mind that you're going, I should be connecting with them. And just be a friend. You know, I'm not asking you, I don't have literature that I'm going to hand you, all right? Here's your door-knocking kit. Go and bother your neighbors here, you know. I, I don't want you to do that. I want you just to begin to identify people, begin to pray for people, and then love people. And watch the opportunities the Lord gives you just to pray, to share his love. And the last thing, write this down. Say yes to the call was first, pray second, write this down third, open your eyes, and fourth, dream small. Dream small. And I borrowed that from Liz Bohannon. Okay, and I'll explain Liz Bohannon to you in a minute, but dream small. And you're like, wait a minute, I thought you said dream big. Liz Bohannon spoke to us at the Global Leadership Summit uh, a couple weeks ago that we all went to together, and... uh, Liz is the founder and the leader of a group called Seiko Designs. Okay, basically, they, it is a cause that she started. She wanted to do something in the world. She wanted to help women in Uganda. And they make these little strappy sandal things. And they help women be able to fund their education. And it's all done in the name of Jesus. Shared in the love of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Well, it started with Liz having this vision and... She kind of had this big vision. I really want to make a difference with these women. There's social injustice. I want to do something. And she had this big dream. And God said, okay, that's awesome, Liz. That's great. What I want you to do is I want you to meet one woman from Uganda first. Just, just meet one. Okay? And it's like, oh. And what she said is that moved her from like, from like this, this whole idea of, of kind of planning to actually doing something. <laughs> And it just that, that simple thing of just meet one kind of put her in a different gear. Oh, okay, she bought a one-way plane ticket to Uganda. That's what she could afford. And she went and just had a couple contacts there, and through those contacts she met actually three young women who were very bright, they were scholars, but th- the way the thing works is they have to earn their money for their university education, these women could not afford that. And so Liz like, how can I help them? What can I do? How can I raise money? What do I do? And then a friend of hers, she was sharing this through correspondence, a friend of hers says, what about those little strappy sandals you used to make in college and that you would sell that everybody loved? She's like, okay. And she goes to these three young women and says, if you will make these sandals, I will sell them. And I promise you, if you'll spend the next three months this summer, I'll promise you that you'll have the money to go to school in the fall. And so they made a bunch of sandals, she goes home, sells them, and it was enough in that economy, in that system, for them to go for, to university that next year. And it just snowballed from there. She now has like the largest shoemaking factory in Uganda, and it's all dedicated to this purpose. And, and her advice to us, her counsel was, man, it's great to have big dreams, but it kind of embrace that you're just normal okay? She had to embrace that she's not, she's not God, she's not a hero. She actually said, nobody really wants you to be their hero anyway. Just embrace your kind of normal, regular self and start start small, just one person. And I want to say that's really good advice when it comes to the message of the kingdom, the ministry of the kingdom. Just go start loving on one person. Meet one person. Can you do that? I think every one of us can do that. Try it. We can pray, we can open our eyes we can say yes to the call and we can say okay i'll start with one person you know i'm standing here today there's a little lady named Marilyn Fay Marilyn Fay was not some powerful bible teacher she was this tiny little lady tiny little boy sweet little lady but she ends up meeting my mom and my aunt who were seekers they weren't believers Inviting them to this lady's Bible study, and there was something in them that said yes, they would go. They were both very worldly at the time, in Chicago. This isn't a Bible Belt thing, all right? It's even, it's even crazier than you think. And they go to this Bible study, and they start hearing about Jesus. And this little lady, Marilyn, ends up leading them to the Lord. My mom, who is a very gifted, communicator Bible teacher, has led hundreds. Maybe I don't even know how many people she's led to the Lord. But... Her kids became followers of Jesus. Her son was involved in planting River City Community Church. And stop and think about the legacy that we're a part of, because one little lady made one friend, two friends actually, and just shared Jesus with them. This wasn't, she wasn't Billy Graham. She wasn't, you know, whoever you want to name, whatever, big, high-powered. It was just little Marilyn Fay, woman of God who introduced someone to Jesus and my family legacy, my children serve the Lord now. My grandchildren are serving the Lord because Marilyn Fay loved enough to reach out to my mom, my aunt. This stuff is powerful, folks. And what I want to say, there are no volunteers when it comes to the ministry of the kingdom of God. We're all in on this.
1: That's Pastor Sean Azaro. You've been listening to Reaching for Real Life Radio. And if you'd like to hear this full message in the series The Faith, Based on the book of Titus, it's available right now on demand at reallife.org. And while you're there, we'd love to hear from you. Send us a note that this program blessed you, or even better, your financial gift helps this radio ministry continue. Find the Give tab at reallife.org. But of course, you're invited to visit and join us at River City Community Church, located on Lookout Road right behind Rotama Park, next to the Real Life Amphitheater. If you'd like to call the church, the number is 210-490-5262, Reaching for Real Life Radio is a service of River City Community Church, and we hope you join us again next time as you travel the road to real life.